Hello and welcome to the Gestalten Podcast. My name is Martin Groschwald and we are mixing things up a little bit this week. So as you probably realized over the past few months, we were moving a little bit more towards a interviewing podcast. So we try to get interesting people for you in and all these kind of things. Now, with this episode, I re-invited Sam Livingston from Car Design Research. And the reason why I did that is because we had a, or actually multiple interesting conversations over the past few weeks about the development from a student all the way through to how to become a VP of design, EVP design, whatever you want to call it. So the highest level in management. And we thought we, we we should share this with you because there's so many factors that go into it. Like, you know, how can you move up? How does it work? What what does it mean to work within design? At what point does it become maybe a chore? Um, and, you know, a, yeah, you know, something that you do every single day as a job, but not necessarily a passion anymore. So we had a lovely conversation. <laughs> you know, I did an interview, Sam, and uh, we we literally just kept on going, and we just uh, we just talked. So I hope you enjoy this. And in this conversation, you will hear a few reference to um, a study, and uh, this is the Concept House Design Study, which you will also see in the show notes here that we will link in there. This is something that the Concept House Innovation Consultancy team around uh, my uh, dear colleague Oliver Vogt and Florian Teufel arranged, and this is pretty much at the moment it's based on the European transportation design market, an analysis on salaries, trainings. Um, a male and female comparison and everything that has to do with it. We think it's very important to be transparent, to be open within the community. And I really hope you enjoy it. But without further ado, check the KDS, what we call it, in the show notes. And enough me talking now. Enjoy the conversation I had with Sam Livingston from Car Design Research and myself. Let's go. Hello, Sam, and uh, welcome back to the Gestalten Podcast. A pleasure to have you back, and uh, I hope all is well in uh, these, you know, pandemic times in the UK for you. Yeah, thanks, Martin. Good to be here. Nice to be doing this, um, sitting down with you again, albeit remotely, uh, to uh, make another podcast, a bit of a different one this time, I think. Yes, um, and I think you know this is this is something a little bit different because obviously. Um, you know the, the 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 theme of this podcast has become a little bit of like an interview style, but this is something that we want to break a little bit today because we we had a few conversations, and it's about the the let's call it the journey of a car designer, and uh, you know going from this very early step of going into uh, a design university all the way to how to become or like in which kind of way and what is the you know what is what what does your day-to-day work entitle when you're really at the top of what it is at car design because um i think in the conversations that we had a few you know you know we had a few conversations about it already it was always about okay how do you take that kind of next step what is important what is not important what do we learn from our um, consulting perspectives, you more from the, for the research perspective, me more from the, let's say the process and the staffing perspective. And I think it's, it's about time we share a little bit of this, um, with, you know, learnings and, uh, and understandings that we have. And let's actually start off with the university level, the, the, the foundation of, of everything, uh, all the people that we work with, that we know, uh, and I would say the, the vast majority of them actually goes to a university to study industrial design, transportation design, or whatever other courses there are right now to find their way into, into this mobility design sector on a professional level nowadays. And, um, we we obviously see there's so many schools out there right now, and uh, you know you're a visiting professor, for example, at the Royal College of Art in in London as well. So, in in your perspective from this teaching you know role that uh, that that you do, what is the biggest the biggest challenge that you see for young people who want to break into this industry nowadays to to really you know, make it through because we have so many students worldwide is what, what is the first kind of step to really get into the industry apart from getting into university? Uh, well, I mean, I think we're, we're both, uh, 
we're both sensitive to the fact that there's there's more students graduating uh, within the realm of vehicle design or mobility design every year than there are jobs for them. And I think that's possibly more so now than it's ever been before. Um, I know at the Royal College of Art, I mean, I've been there, um, albeit in a fractional capacity, but I've been there now uh, teaching in some form or other uh, for 19 years. And things have changed there. The course itself has changed. There. It's, it's intelligent mobility design now. It's not vehicle design. Um, but the ethos is broadly the same. And that is that the institution is not looking to shape and mold people to be, if you like, RCA graduates in inverted commas, so much as to um, help that individual realize something beyond who they are now as creative practitioners. Um, and, and broadly, I think all institutions, academic institutions, which um, deliver design programs that, that feed the, the automotive and mobility sectors that we practice in, are looking for two core things. One is um, evidence of a level of sort of skills or competency with regard to visualization. Uh, and then clearly these days, that's no longer just drawing, although it also is very much about drawing, but it's about the uh, ability to convey an idea and thinking into uh, a visual form to communicate it fundamentally to others. And so that sort of, if you like, skill-based thing is important to have to some degree. And I think the other side, second element, is thinking to have somebody that comes in with original ideas um, that has the, uh, if you like, the creative ability to envision something in the future, which is different to that of today. And broadly, all students have these components uh, to varying degrees um, and with different biases cut across that those two sides. Um, and I think all institutions look for, for those. Some perhaps are more orientated on the skill side, some more on the thinking side. And I think perhaps the RCA is a bit more on the thinking side. But broadly, um, students coming into uh, uh, an interview situation will need to be able to demonstrate those those sort of two core competencies or areas of competencies. You know what I always find interesting about the university system is because we're, you know, we're talking about something in this traditional, really let's call it car design industry because you know the the, the, the mobility sector overall is loosening up a little bit. The the corporations are going to get smaller, but if we look into the car industry, um. And we will see this later on in the discussion as well, of course, is that you need to be able to fight your way through. I think nowadays it's, it's also a element of, uh, understanding politics. It's also about understanding, of course, management as well. And I, I, I sometimes would wish just from my own, you know, personal kind of experience of obviously I didn't study anything creative in that kind of sense, but, I, I oftentimes have the feeling that these the university system doesn't prepare for really for what is the right kind of step through into this kind of system. It's almost just like, look, you you're supposed to be creative, but I'm not quite sure if it's really, you know, showing you at least some insights on, hey, if you are in this industry for a certain amount of time, there is much more than just you being able to well, be creative. Yeah, I guess in a way, Martin, that then flips across to your side, doesn't it? Which is to say, you know, you're you're you run a practice which is um, which does many things, but one of the core elements of that, of course, is uh, recruitment. And I don't think that the heart of that for you most of the time is uh, recruiting recent graduates. But I know that you do and do do that, and you come across that um, with your clients on a frequent basis. What would you say then? is you know if we park if you like the portfolio and the content of the portfolio if you like if you put a, put aside the uh, pure design competency of graduating students what would you say is the elements that 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 employees are looking to get from them well i think you know it comes down to potential um and i think this is something for me that a lot of employees but also universities don't necessarily look too much into so um the potential of what a person can be in the future. Yeah. So you mean um, their design abilities or, or who they are, well, as a, you know, this is the interesting thing behind it, because if, if we look into a development of, um, especially in the bigger companies. Yeah. So of course you need to be very good at what you do. And this is, there is always this, this baseline of, okay, a certain level of creativity needs to be, uh, needs to be the foundation of getting into this kind of, you know, university and, 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 and teaching kind of level. But, um, what I always see is that it's too much creativity and not necessarily just seeing, okay, is, can this person potentially become a leader? Because 
the higher you go, the more important becomes the leadership, your decision making, and also, of course, trusting and learning that people that are creatively better than you, which will, you know, in an in, in evolutionary process always happen because something is fresher or more modern or something like that, but being capable of making these decisions. And I think, um, from the highest level of recruitment, but also going down to really then the graduate recruitment, this is a very much underlooked, you know, over overlooked uh, opportunity to get really the great people. Because I can give you a little bit of an insight. We've, you know, we've we've we, we've had a request some time ago where it was very specifically stated we want to have a product designer for a uh, a detail position, and. When I asked the question, I was like, okay, why do you want to do this? Like, yeah, we want to have different kind of thinking. It's not about the sketch. It's about execution. It's about understanding. It, it's becoming much more. And I think in this new day and age, we, we're not necessarily in this kind of just cool sketching anymore. But, um, and I've, I've mentioned this before, when teams get smaller, responsibilities get, you know, are becoming more important per person in that sense. And I think, you know, these responsibilities, making decisions, feeling comfortable, comfortable making decisions, but also standing in for those decisions to, you know, higher level people is, is something that I, I'm oftentimes missing. And I, I feel sometimes sad for these, you know, once it, once we're getting into like the management positions and to the higher level leadership is that they, they don't get the training, but they also have, have never been really told early on or throughout their entire career, starting from the university process, that, you know, the leadership and, you know, the selection of that is as important. And this is why, for example, I always believe that, you know, a craftsmanship such as design in that sense and car design um, should should possibly be maybe more like an apprenticeship rather than just an intellectual kind of uh, education to learn these kind of things. So in a way, you're kind of, I mean, I think you're sort of postulating and, and maybe we're trying to make things very clear here. So there's a component where I'm sure everything is not this way exactly, but broadly you're saying um, that from university, students are potentially being hired to be trained up as design managers. It's almost a, an approach they should take is to um, position themselves uh, as design managers in waiting uh, to some degree, to, to give the impression or, or, sorry, to genuinely be people who can see design from a slightly bigger picture um, as a sort of facet of a, a wider industrial um, process, but also maybe as a as a sort of, uh, I guess, a more grown-up understanding of design as something which um, makes the end user's life better, but, 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 but not, if you like, the cliche of just coming up with the, the cool sketch or many of them. One of the things I've often said to students, and Maybe you're going to correct me, but I'm curious to know what you think, is that actually they're being hired to uh, be almost like a firework in the design studio to, to, uh, to, to create a variety of exciting, powerful, for, forward-thinking ideas, not necessarily to be finessing them and understanding all facets of car design at the get-go, but actually to be almost a, a source of energy for the studio to, to, get other stu- to, to get other designers in the space to raise their game almost. Um, but... But I don't know. You think that's changing? That 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 sort of concept of the junior designer coming in to be inverted commas the cool kid in the studio with the the fan, the, the, the crazy ideas is actually migrating to one which is uh, a bit different, perhaps. Yeah, it comes something from you know for me is like I don't want to take anything away of this what you exactly just mentioned because I think it's as important as understanding what you know, this, this, the, 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 let's call it the business of designers in that sense. And the business of design is a very vast direction. It's management, it's budget, it's leadership, it's everything that goes into that. Um, I just think it would be wrong to limit the, especially the, you know, the young students and interns and, you know, entry level, um, designers to just that. Because what that means is you, you only get to know that you don't get to know really a lot of other things in this in this end and you know car design in 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 particular in in today's form is much more than that if we analyze a process of like from a first sketch all the way to when the car rolls off of the production line the actual sketch process is is minimal yeah in in, in that kind of context so i think it should always be seen in a in an entire context. That's what I want to say with this. It's not about, look, if you have a guy who's a fantastic uh, sketcher and who wants to be just this creative person, nobody should be forced to to move into these kind of management positions. But there should be a general kind of understanding of 
what it is, why it's there. And if you were to decide later on that this is the kind of direction, okay, what, what does this mean for me? And I think this understanding of what does it mean is just, it's just not there. Um, a lot of the conversations I have with young designers, they, they don't necessarily understand, you know, the, the scope of what their position uh, might be in the future. They think, ah, you know, I can do it on the way. And yes, you can do certain things on the way. But a lot of the stuff is also preparation and knowledge. Um, and I think knowledge you can learn, you know, from the first day you go into the university. It's by, you know, speaking to people, you know, listening to the various podcasts that are out there right now. Um, and, you know, you know, reading about papers and stuff like that. There's, there's all this information out there. And that's a little bit what I'm missing. Yeah. And actually relative to that, I don't think though, and I'm going to just check this with you in a way, I don't think you're saying you need to be, you know, an expert and jack of all trades. Um, I mean, there's a bit of me that half wonders if between the two of us, we're kind of saying, yeah, you have to be an expert and a jack of all trades. One of the things that I put to students on and off um, at the Royal College of Art is, um, well, you know, who are you as a design practitioner? What What is it that you're about? You can't just have an ambition to be a good car designer because there's so many different shapes. And within a studio when you're hiring, I think many uh, people that are, are, are sort of putting together a studio a body of people for a studio they want uh, quite a mix of different types they don't just want one person times 10 they want a, a spectrum of of individuals um that will you know work as a team but they're not all going to be the same type of people so they're going to have different agendas different competencies different you know um ways in which they they see things and therefore i think there's also a need for designers not just to sort of try to second guess what the market needs but also to to look into themselves who are they what do they find uh, compelling what do they start finding incredibly frustrating that they want to react against well, who are they as individuals and can they ensure that that's you know evident and true because i think there's also a, a component which is that the best designers are the ones who, who who design from the heart who are authentic and i think actually that's an attractive quality of the recruitment point as well you, you need somebody who is true not just somebody who's a, a great sketch monkey oh 100 and i think you know this is also for the for the companies for the employers of course to understand but this is for me much more important than just the, the the pure sketch quality you know and i think this this is something that the universities should live up to as well um it's okay to tell somebody they're maybe not the you know top 5% in terms of sketching in their class but what is their their real strength in a process you know um we talk about you know budgets all the time or you know here that we do and we talk about training and we talk about management and all these kind of things and some people are literally just made for that it's like in a big orchestra as well yeah you have some people who are better at one thing than than others and that's okay it's the same with sports you know i mean i read this really interesting article the other day where um where where it said pretty much i think it was from a, uh, from the athletic or something like that and they said like here are three people that are paid two and a half million dollars for an nba team that are only sitting on the bench. And it was extremely interesting to read that because it didn't show like, look, they're not really playing, so they're overpaid. They said like, no, they're so important to the entire team, to the structure, to the process behind um, that they're worth every single cent about this. And I think this is something that is um, that, 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 that we should adapt a little bit more in, within this transportation design is that it's okay to not be the the fancy sketcher, but there it's there's so many other positions that we should you know just appreciate where everybody can find a space if they're comfortable of saying I'm maybe not the best in this, but I can do this. That's for me a fundamental point. So how I mean this is something that you surely know more than I do because I mean I'm I'm lucky enough to have worked with a huge number of different car companies, mostly at, you know the design director VP of design level, and it's not that we're sort of coming in as consultants we, we we're, we're in and out of the studio we we get little snapshots and we probably get to see the the slightly better side of them to some degree um but although sure there's back channels which mean we hear the bad stories too but how how what is your sense of of, of how somebody once they're inside the company at a junior level how do they go upwards my, my remote sense and it's less informed than you is that actually the, the the sort of best way to move forwards in car design once you're actually on the inside is to uh is to flip brands to to switch from company not to try to promote within just in terms of the the likelihood you could make that happen quicker and the likelihood you can increase your salary 
is that with the, is that a true thing, Martin? Is it, or is there other sort of facets to how people should be getting on? Well, it's it, <laughs> it's it's an interesting topic that you mentioned this because um, I think we have to we have to look a little bit back. Like I think ten years ago we wouldn't have we wouldn't really have asked this kind of question. Yeah, this kind of idea of changing a company, let's say three, four, five years in, is something that's relatively new since uh, the boom of China. Yeah, when these new startup companies uh, came in, I think Tesla, if you go back to 2008, was probably the first one. Uh, before that, we didn't really think about a lot of change in the design studios. And obviously, design studios were relatively small um, from that perspective. That's something we need to add as an important factor to know. Now, um, the idea of changing now comes through various different kind of things. And oftentimes, this change when you start in a company, so you come out of the university system and you go into something is an extreme high. Of course, you know, you're super excited to work for a company and it's a big OEM or something like that. The first project most of these young, uh, these young kids coming out of school are doing are showcase. And so there's a very big reward almost right away as you produce something for a showcase. Some of them even win it, uh, right away. So there's this extreme big high. And then the low comes in when it comes to the industrialization. So it's almost like you, you take a drug, you, you're really, you know, up for it. And then everyday life hits you again. So you want to, <laughs> you want to take that drug again. Um, and Cardizan is a drug. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, maybe you should use it as a title in, in the end. But, uh, um, this happens to a lot of people. And then you see something that's, the people that change in, in these kind of situations are usually the ones that want to keep that feeling on a high. Yeah. So that's like, Oh, I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to, it's almost like this feeling. I want to feel appreciated because a, a, a production projects take such a long time, uh, that of, oftentimes, you know, you, you feel the context of how cool it is actually. And there's, um, once you go through your first car and like you go in all to the details, engineering meetings, a lot of people get frustrated as well because it's not the flashy world of car design that you see in the media. Um, you know, that, 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 that that's an important factor. So, um, some people stick through that and then say like, no, I need to go through that process. And others want to have this high again and over and over and over again. Um, and a lot of them then go to advanced studios because that's where the high is very, very high. But then frustration hits. Yeah? It's like, oh, now I want to have something on the road, something that people buy, that people see. And I think this is when you are, once you are in this kind of situation, it's the big kind of mix between your love of what you do, which is the creativity and all these kind of things. But it's then versus the ambition of the company or maybe your own ambition as well. So understanding first and foremost, and I think you've seen this as well, especially with higher levels as well, that, um, um, you know, this, this, this kind of creative push is something a lot of people miss, but the, the further you move on in your career, the less you will do that. And, you know, from your personal experience, because you're working on the high levels uh, from that, how many of them are actually still working on the cars? It's very, very few of them. And only if it's really highly important projects, maybe for a design strategy or like for something a little bit longer term, but they just don't, don't have that kind of feeling anymore. And, and I think this is, this is where the first kind of step comes in of maybe I should go somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, there's a thing also I, I observe, and of course it's a, a perhaps a sensitive subject, which is that one, another pointer where I think people should perhaps look to, to move on is when they think they're, you know, we, 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 we have, we're fortunate to have clients that are exceedingly modest despite producing some amazing stuff. But obviously from time to time, there's the opposite where um, people perhaps have a perception that the, the, the design quality or the design outputs from their brand uh, surpasses that of, of, of all of their competitors. And I think that, yeah, once in a while, of course, one brand will punch above its weight. But for the most part, um, I think it would be a rare occasion where uh, you could reliably say within one design studio, hey, you know what, we're better than the the uh, all the other guys and i think as soon as you've got a situation as an individual designer where you're of the view that actually where you're at is better than all of the other places in my view that's also a time to perhaps take stock and and, and think that maybe you need to stop drinking that kool-aid and 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 move on see what the see some seek new some new pasture of course something else we're not talking about and maybe we shouldn't because there's so many different facets to this martin is that um unlike a i don't know a lawyer or a teacher um if you want to work as a car designer, you, you, you're a prisoner to uh, industrial locations on an international level. You know, you're Detroit or you're uh, Wolfsburg or, or perhaps Coventry. You know what I mean? Um, 
And actually, it's, it's it's a major thing that's not much spoken about is this sort of geographical upheaval and then commitment to huge institutions. Um, and as you said, also, uh, essentially also working on programs where they may potentially never see the light of day. And even, even the better ones may take many years before uh, the fruits of some of these labors are, are put out there. It's a pretty unusual uh, creative endeavor, isn't it, really? There's, there's very few, I think, parallels uh, for the car designer, you know? Some yeah. some strong rewards, but there's also quite a few quite a few tough calls that have to go into the mix on a practical level. Yeah, I think you know if you if you ask friends, um, you know, family and whatever you can think of, and you would tell them like, "Hey, I'm I'm a car designer." Everybody is in awe, just like, "Oh, it's so cool that you do that." But um, car design as a process has a lot of frustrations in there, and and I can tell you, it's easy for a lot of people to talk about these frustrations because these frustrations especially when you are in the industry for a few years and you know then it becomes a decision making process for you to say like am i becoming let's call it corporate now so i'm i want to move up the career ladder i want to become uh, you know a leadership into a leadership position or a management position this is where for a lot of people in my opinion is where the problem starts because you have these first kind of little frustrations of like, you know, first processes and stuff like that. And it's like, ah, okay, cool. You can look over this, but then you have to make a decision. And you've mentioned something very importantly there with the, with the locations. These are locations that will not change. Yeah. Because these companies that are based in, you know, Wolfsburg is obviously Volkswagen, but, uh, you know, Coventry, if we look into, um, if we look into uh, Detroit, of course, in particular, um, you could even say Sweden now as well with, uh, with, with Volvo and with, uh, with, with Lincoln Co. They are very fixed locations. So you also make a commitment in that kind of sense. And once you start making this commitment of, um, do I want to go down the corporate road now or do I want to be still very creative? Maybe stay on the, we call it over here, an expert road. Yeah. To say like, I don't want to, I don't want to manage. I don't want to be working a lot with Excel. I just want to be in the creative sector. Um, that's a lot of commitment to your own personality as well. And if you have family at that point to your family and all these kind of things. And, and this is what I, th I think a lot of people maybe don't don't understand um in the highest level um to be to be fair that these commitments with the family are absolutely fundamental and this also explains why still a lot of people stay within the companies and maybe change in earlier years but not in the later years because it's it's becoming more and more difficult and you know from a frustration point of view to the corporate point of view to then kind of being fixed for life technically that's that's a tough point and i do understand everybody who's struggling with the idea of like you know maybe i should go here or i should go there yeah and actually there's another thing which is in the mix of it that comes to my mind anyway which is that in terms of progression and you, you know you've alluded to how it tends to slow down a little bit as people become more senior and or older or later life stage um there's another thing and actually this makes me want to introduce almost surprised you've not already martin that piece of research that your company commissioned mm -hmm. um, and one of the outputs from that that I, I guess it didn't totally surprise me but i thought you know i raised my eyebrows was the the um am amount of days that design management have spent or do spend um broadly uh being trained actually that's possibly not my favorite word there coached trained broadly educated because if you think what a junior designer does, and even if it's not just sitting there with, with uh, you know, some magic markers and vellum, as in the old days, even if they're not just broadly churning up ideas, it's hugely different to what the VP of design is doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And yet, if you take that progression, stretch it across the 10, 20, 30 years that it might have been, one does wonder, I do wonder, the extent to which all of that learning can be just on the job, you know, surely going from a position where you're fundamentally responsible for the pen in your hand to being responsible for uh, the output of hundreds and hundreds of, of, of designers integrated within an organization that's thousands and thousands strong producing products worth billions and billions of dollars. I'm always a mm. bit amazed that, uh, you know, so many of these design directors, many of whom do a great job, of course, but you really do they not have they not had more engagement with things is there not other industries which where they would where somebody that position would have had more you know on the job educational engagement maybe it's just me thinking that did that surprise you that output it it, it did to a certain degree to be fair i mean when we when we did the study and i got the first results and you know we were sitting there in the team 
there were a few things where I was just like, wow, I did not expect it. Other so things, what, what, was, what was the number one thing that surprised you? Well, the, the first thing, of course, was how relatively little, um, let's say all the way up to the, to the management, the higher level management positions, it's actually invested into the development of the people. And then once you're at the top level, you get even more, but you technically don't even need it anymore. Because if you make it to that point, you should know it already. So if we actually take the, you know, the, the, the averages together is that from a junior to a manager, you're, you're being invested less per year additionally as if you would be on a really like the highest, uh, you know, head of design, vice president, whatever level per year. And I think, this shows a little bit of the problem as well because we are expecting people to move from an from a hands-on level, yeah, from a let's say like a senior designer or even like a lead designer level into a management position and learn about how to run a budget, how to run a team, how to interact with the team, you know, how to take yourself back to make your team better uh, and to understand what your new role is actually all about. It's almost just like we throw you in this and uh, and go ahead. Yeah, just like try, you know, trial and error, and this is of course a system where, and I think you you you've seen this, of course, in 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 your perspective as well, where good people, if they're not happy with that situation, leave. Yeah, because one thing I think we need to say is oftentimes the good people leave. It's not necessarily the people that are, you know, um, on the on the high levels or like you know on the really high performing levels that are that are staying on it's usually the people that exactly perform on such a high level that then leave and look for something else because oftentimes and like this is this is a little bit from my gut feeling because i don't know the exact numbers from that they leave because they're not happy with their management and the management yeah, i mean yeah, that doesn't yeah, mean I, that they're not being promoted yeah this means they're not happy with how the management leads yeah yeah I mean, it's probably a bit of a nest of worms, isn't it? And and as you said, it's it's relatively anecdotal. But I would bear out with my experience as well that there is there's you know it's unsurprising, isn't it? A, a, an environment full of creative individuals, you're going to inherently have points of friction. And actually, if you didn't, there's probably something going wrong there. But I, I'm sense you know I'm, I'm mindful of, and we are all aware of, uh, so many examples where some really great designers have essentially got pretty cheese off with a set of circumstances which would have been avoidable. But for, and let's be honest about it, but for uh, some aspects of dysfunction and um, bits of dysfunction on a sort of inner design studio, which would be totally avoidable, uh, which have been negative on a commercial level, obviously they're negative for the individual involved too. And it, I wouldn't say it's rife, but I am actually sometimes a little bit surprised at how common um, aspects of that are and how, you know, how it's not an unusual factor for people to be. Uh, I think rightly aggrieved at circumstances within that. As a consequence, though, it goes back to what we're talking about. I would suggest, as a consequence of yeah, senior design management potentially um, not having all, you know, not fundamentally being as well qualified or experienced or, or educated to 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 manage a, a body of creatives, because so often is the case they're they're there because they did a great design. You know, a great designer doesn't necessarily make a great design director. Um, but actually, it's very hard to see how you would become a design director without becoming first a great designer. Um, I think there's a bit of a conundrum in that mix. It it is indeed. It is indeed. And I think this is where, if we talk about bigger corporations, yeah, I think this is the fundamental point. In smaller teams and suppliers, it's a little bit of a different kind of situation. But when we talk about really big corporations, is where a controlling factor needs to come in. And I think when I look a little bit in the bigger term, and I think if we then if people move into these management positions and, you know, I often tell them, if you move in that, you have to understand that your creative input itself is going to be more little. You're going to have to do more Excel sheets, meetings, you know, decision-making. You, you need some help with that. And oftentimes asking for help nowadays in, in today's culture is seen as a negative thing. But I, I personally see asking for help as a very positive thing because nobody here is perfect. Yeah, we we all need to learn. And if you learn something about management, about leadership, about even simple things as how how do you calculate a budget for a project? Yeah, which it might not be important for your day-to-day -day work, but it's important to understand how the money is being spent and what kind of impact it has again on a corporate level. Um asking for help is something that we should we should we should really cherish and we yeah, should, I mean, we should push. Yeah, I would, I would even phrase it differently. It's, it's not necessarily asking for help, like you're stuck or like there's a problem or like, you know, you need rescuing. 
I, I would suggest it, it's, it's fundamentally um, getting the resources in to do the work that you're responsible for to to you know we are often saying to clients and i believe it's a correct thing so a true thing um that when we're hired to do stuff we're not um uh, doing something because they can't do it so much we are adding value to what they're responsible for we are emboldening um and and dialing up the success that they are having uh so and that's very much i think also in a different sphere what you do you know, you're broadly, uh, we speak to the same client base, we deliver different services, but we're going in not just to help, uh, we're going in to make what they do better. We're part of them doing the stuff. Um, and I think it's probably because, you know, a junior designer broadly will have got on, on, will have progressed as an individual by, you know, playing their cards quite close to their chest, by ensuring that people can see uh, what they have done and, and to sort of, if you like, take ownership of that as an individual creative. And I think that there's this sort of designer as artist thing, which is, you know, we can all understand why that's there. But actually, as soon as you get to the top, I then think it, it starts to to uh, to have less relevance, should we say, because then we get to the situation where the design director feels uncomfortable that they might be seeking an external view or to be having some uh, externally sourced or, or other body coming in to, to provide them with a, a resource because they think, well, why should I not be able to do that? And they, they as a consequence, they, they choose not to and they, they shoot from the hip and, you know, they don't do such a good job. So I, I agree with you that there is this mentality that the individual design director has to somehow uh, do everything. And I think that actually the best ones are those that are able to corral others uh, and to sort of, if you like, build build this team fundamentally, isn't it? To uh, yeah, to get get the whole thing to work and not just own it themselves. Yeah, I mean, like you know, the the best people I have worked with on really like the highest levels, what what they were good at is they were capable of listening, and they were listening to you know a bunch of opportunity, uh, you know, you know, options and a bunch of opinions and uh, you know experiences, and have the comfort and you know the 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 self confidence to then take these inputs and make their own decisions. I think this is this is a fundamental skill that is not really used in the creative area. I I think nowadays within UI UX because it's a it's a it's a completely different kind of way of how it emerged. This is a much more common thing. But when it comes to uh, to car design in particular, but mobility design as a product uh, in general, it's not really used. And I know where it comes from. I mean, you know, it's 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 about this. Uh, culture that we have where you have names under a sketch and people are being, uh, you know, portrayed and people are being, you know, featured on websites and all these kind of things. Instagram is, of course, uh, very much a part of this as well. Um, and I, and I do get it. It's nice to get the credit for it. But in the end, and I think this is, this is what oftentimes is forgotten. We, the design director stands for a team. And of course, you know, people talk about all these big bosses and like, yeah, this is the guy responsible for. This is the way how it's communicated into the media. But the design director always is only as strong as he can empower the team. And I think, you know, this is this is something when I mentioned very much on this kind of university level is something that you can give the people from a very early age on Um onto the way is like, you know, yes, you have a, a personal ability and maybe a talent that is better than other individuals, but you can only succeed to in a career, if you want to say so, if you are capable of collaborating and working with other people. Yeah. And this is, uh, if we look into the design industry, it's about modeling, you know, 3D modelers, clay modelers, um, Nobody really internally builds a um, you know a show car nowadays. You go to an outside company that helps you build these show cars. So you you do need to collaborate, and it's about finding the way of how to work in the best possible way to achieve the best possible uh, result. And sometimes I have the feeling that the the ego of oh I need to beat on there actually hinders to do a better product a product because of you know i i don't want to have my name on there rather than just like no we're working for what's best and this is where for me is the understanding of what corporate means is it's not about complexity of a process of course uh, that the bigger the company the more complex things are but when you when you're working for a corporate company mercedes bmw the psa group whatever you are working with a common team, which can be very, very big to achieve the best for the company, because then you get the return 
you know, as the team and as an individual, but the company must succeed so you can succeed as well. And um, that's what a lot of people forget, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in a way, they're not all scaled up, you know, coach builders from 100 years ago, but in some respects, there's still that carryover. I know that um, in, in, the, in the sort of putting my tutor hat on that the, the best group tutorials that I run or a success factor for them for, from my perspective is if I can gently leave the tutorial and it carries on without me, then that is a greater success than if I'm, you know, still the one that's doing most of the talking. Um, and I think that we, we, we both know many design directors who of course are capable of that, but I suppose clearly without naming names, we know many who are not. And, uh, yeah, I guess that goes back to this this point we're talking about about the training on the job. But I guess, yeah, I mean, to sort of we're, we're near the end of our conversation, aren't we? We started off talking about you know, how students might or how somebody may come to be a student within the mobility design or vehicle design or transport design sector. We're talking now about design directors. It is still probably the pinnacle job, isn't it? I mean, to say to walk into uh, to be in a sort of I don't know, dinner party situation, for example, and to say, yes, I'm a car designer. I think many people who might listen to this podcast will know how that feels and that generally goes down quite well it is a cool thing to say that you're a design director is is of of an established brand that people might have heard of as a whole that's pretty good isn't it that's going to make you feel good it's an exciting thing to do um and i know that just from speaking with you you're like you know is it lonely at the top you said to me and i was thinking come on martin it's not lonely at the top it'd be great to be at the top but then also we're sensitive to the fact that i think externally a lot of people think these design directors have got exceedingly large amounts of power perhaps more so than they really have in some instances i mean i don't think they're all neutered but we we we're i'm sure aware of many design directors who are uh, you know have tighter boundaries um that affect you know what they can do with their team or what they can make happen with design programs you know there's so much that comes from engineering i think the sort of wider world maybe outside of the community has a perception the design director very much has full responsibility for design and unfortunately of course many elements sit outside it so there is this sort of double-edged sword i think for some design directors where whilst they might bask in the glory of being a design director for a for for a you know a desirable brand potentially of course they're not responsible for some things which people think they are and, and uh, yeah it, it must be quite a challenge in that respect yeah and you know obviously like in in in, in the lead up to this conversation uh, that we're having now uh, when I said this about, you know, is it lonely at the top? You obviously said, right, well, you know, you, you see it in the uh, in the study you just did. Is I mean, I mean, you know, the reward that they get in terms of a monetary reward is uh, is incredible. And yes, that's very true. But it's it's also a question of, you know, you've made it to the top, so it's about sustaining that um, as well. And that is a lot of pressure. I think. Um, you know, making it to the top and like, you know, sometimes it's just being at the right position at the right time in the right environment to make it up to the top, but staying at the top. And this is something that you can learn from, you know, musicians, from artists, from sports people, from everything to really stay at this top level and, you know, survive for 10, 15, 20 years. That is the hardest thing to do. You have to kind of start to reinvent yourself. You have to understand much more than just a creative process to really understand. You know, you, you need to learn how a corporation on the highest level works. You're going to be much more involved with, with things that have nothing to do with creative, with the creative process. And I would always say to people who have the opportunity, you know, the ambition to get there is always there. Everybody wants to be on the top. Um, it's, once you get to like head of exterior interior, you want to do that. But I would always ask the question, do you really, are you willing to give up a lot of things to get to this higher level? Because um, I have a lot of respect for people to go up to this kind of level and say like, I'm, I'm willing to give up a lot of what I, what I can do on, on, on maybe, you know, working as a, as a head of exterior or something like that and really go to the highest level and make these decisions and always putting my, my ass out every single day to, to make this deliverable because in the end, that is the person who's responsible. And, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I like comic books and all these kind of things. And obviously in, in terms of the movie scheme, there was this great quote from Spider-Man saying, you know, with great power comes great responsibility you know, is that person ready to take that responsibility? Because the responsibility is not just for the people you employ, but all the suppliers that you have and all these people around you. I can't believe Spider-Man said that first, Martin. I'm sure somebody, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure somebody far, far more grown up would have said that first. And actually, you know what though? I mean, I don't know if this is the closing thing, but we're talking about design directors and, and I guess vice presidents of design. And, and you've described a lot of the, the conundrum of that 
I think, really nicely and succinctly. I, I half wonder, and this is just a postulation, that is the next step, though, the, the, the chief creative officer? I mean, we have had them. Jay Mays, I think, was, and, and there are others who are incumbent today. But as a rule of thumb in automotive, uh, the responsibility of the design director, even if it doesn't sit underneath the engineering concern, which it still often does, is very much limited to the product. But as we know, this whole mobility space is is broadening out so fast. And even within the car itself, technology is unlocking so many new facets for user experience and so forth. I do wonder whether or not we are not. Surely we are on the cusp of of, of seeing uh, the design director or, or, or at least some level of change, if you like, in, in the responsibility and, and the, the title and, and the um, position that, that sits at the top of the tree. Uh, in, in, in this world of transport or mobility or vehicle design? For me, this only works in a combination with the experience. So I think, you know, as long as we're talking about a very, let's call it, you know, just a generic product design, car design, the shell, you know, what the car is, and we don't include the experience and the experience the brand wants to point, uh, wants to point out, I would say we we don't put anybody from the creative part into the board level because we need the overall connection between the product and the experience. And at the moment, there's probably a lack of people who understand both on a fairly equal level, uh, especially within the mobility in the mobility design sector. Uh, this will change in the next ten years, yeah, because we have now the natives coming through the. Um, the digital natives who understand much more about entire experience and are also connected to um, to the to the car as a product, so the, the exterior and the interior design in, in the, per se. But uh, that needs to happen before I believe a really traditional or like you know a board member from the creative area can really make a strong impact because otherwise the engineering is still so strong. There's 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 much more power behind it um, in terms of personnel, of course, as well. Um, but we need people really on the highest level uh, to be representing both the, the creative design uh, and the feasibility design, but also the experience design. And I think uh, we have one example, obviously, in the industry right now, who's even the CEO, which is uh, Thomas Ingenlatt, uh, who's at uh, the Polestar CEO, but who is on that kind of level. But uh, there's very few others who can really make it to that. So I'm very careful with, you know, chief creative officer or chief design officer because we need to make sure that these people can really make an impact on the board level. And the board level impact shouldn't just be this is the new exterior. It's just like, no, this should be much more and this should be much more, uh, you know, heard in that sense. And that comes yeah. with the people, not with yeah. the position. And that, that possibly also full circles back to when we were talking earlier about um, the education, you know, courses and programs and to sort of very much paraphrase what you're saying, which is that um, students of mobility design increasingly need to sort of almost be uh, learning how to be students of, uh, uh, you know, being students of being chief, chief creative officers to see the bigger picture, to understand that broader context, the UX and so forth. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you this because I'm to kind of sum this up in that kind of sense. But, you know, we have, if you look into especially the, the traditional kind of business world, we have MBAs. So Master of Business Administration, which are usually done after you have a few years of experience. Um, and then you go back to school or sometimes it's part-time or whatever, but you really learn on a higher level. So it's really higher level education um, on, on that sense. Do you think it would actually make sense for the creative industry to have an, you know, I don't know, like an, an MBD or, you know, uh, uh, something like that and just say like, look, if I think it makes sense and it would actually increase the quality of the higher level management if we would have more people that do these masters of, you know, business design or whatever, if it were available? Um, well, uh, it's not going to be a sexy answer, so I'll try and do it quite quickly. I mean, I've got a, <laughs> I've, I've got a master of arts in design strategy and innovation, and there's other parallel uh, qualifications one can have at a master of arts level in design management. You've also obviously got master of philosophy, MPhil, um, and you know those those there's a variety of different institutions that can deliver that deliver programs with those qualifications in design management broadly. And I think that's an answer to your question. Whilst historically many students go to them directly from uh, their, if you like, their um, undergraduate level. Uh, and then don't have the industry experience and don't go back to them as you're describing people do with MBAs. 
there is no reason why that should have to happen. They just don't perhaps have the stature or the international prominence. And, and I think that's also, Martin, just because an MBA is something which is quite a broad thing, which applies to many people and many business territories and which you know people inherently go back to. But I don't know, that's not a very useful answer. I, I, you would imagine that perhaps that, that profile, the MA or the MPhil of design um, management could perhaps be more visible um, and the benefits of actually having done one of those programs might be more recognized. And as a consequence, then people would take some time out from their, uh, you know, profession to go and go back into education and do them perhaps. Yeah. You know, I, I like this, this kind of thought process to do just something like that. I mean, it could also be through an internal, uh, you know, process. We obviously have, you know, um, internal assessments and, you know, those kind of things within the corporate companies anyways, but nothing that is specifically for, uh, for design and you know i part of my team are working to develop something like this but this would be very interesting to kind of see what a general kind of response to this would be you know this is okay so okay this is such a specific area but you need to learn about it because uh, it's 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 also very different from from what you do in the beginning of your career to the end of your career um but uh, that's 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 i think you know a topic for another story uh or for another day so um sam um you, obviously you have answered the three questions before so i'm not going to ask them again <laughs> um but thank you very much for taking the time it's been a pleasure yeah well thank you martin i mean nice to do this as well uh, it's not the the normal interview format i think we've i don't know we've been 50 50 can't be sure but yeah interesting to talk about this topic um and i think it's one of those that's, that's relevant to so many people as well as clearly you know connecting back to to the work that you do uh, and to this recent bit of research that you've undertaken too so yeah no nice to do interesting as well and and obviously to you know get uh, get a little bit of insights from from your day-to-day -day work as well so all the listeners um you know if you have any questions if you want to contact us about something specific because we you know uh, tried to cover a period of potentially a 40-year career that you might be looking into or like that you're part of already in about 45 minutes 45 50 minutes so <laughs> that's uh, that's not always easy but feel free to get in touch with us we'll obviously put sam in the show notes so that he get in you know, you can contact him directly on linkedin and his website and uh yeah for everybody else thanks for listening yet again to an episode of the gestalten podcast and uh, you will hear back from me very very soon in the next couple of weeks sam once again thank you very much and take good care and once this comes out merry christmas and you martin thank you